This episode is brought to you by Shopify. Whether you're selling a little or a lot, Shopify helps you do your thing, however you cha-ching. From the launch your online shop stage, all the way to the we just hit a million orders stage. No matter what stage you're in, Shopify's there to help you grow. Sign up for a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash special offer, all lowercase. That's shopify.com slash special offer. This is Greg Olson here to tell you about my new podcast, TE1. On the show, I had a chance to talk to my fellow tight ends who have revolutionized the position from an extra lineman to a dual threat superstar. And just like my guests have changed the game, this year, NFLSundayTicket.tv is revolutionizing your NFL viewing experience. Stream all the live out-of-market NFL games every Sunday on your favorite devices and never miss a moment from your favorite players. Visit NFLSundayTicket.tv and use the promo code GREG88 at checkout and get 15% off your subscription. That's NFLSundayTicket.tv and the promo code GREG88. Subscribe to TE1 and get NFLSundayTicket.tv, an unmatched dual threat. Hello, and welcome to the fourth episode of Here's Where It Went Wrong. Hopefully by now you know how this works. Every week we sit down to discuss one of our favorite topics, something we could not love more, and then discuss how it was ruined. Uh, I am Andrew Nadeau, and I am joined, as always, by my co-host, Wen Powers. How are you doing, Wen? I'm doing great, Andrew. How are you doing, man? I am doing the same, but that's not too bad. <laughs> Perfect. Uh, so, last week we talked about the Titanic and how uh, they couldn't do a watch on a boat for the longest time. Marine chronometers, had... so fascinating. Wen could not get into it, but I maintain so fascinating. Once we talked about a boat sinking, I was fully on board. But when you and like also the dog clock uh, that you discussed, <laughs> they thought that if they cut a dog and then put powder on the knife, that the dog would bark at noon, which I mean, scientifically checks out. Look, that is a very brief summation of complicated magic that did not work but i appreciate the effort <laughs> so that was last week and uh that was our third episode and we were told after three episodes we can start having guests which is the whole reason we did this to talk with some of our favorite comics so we are joined by one of my favorite comics for about a decade now you may have seen him on conan letterman corden seth myers comedy central or his one hour special on amazon his latest album aka is fantastic i listened to that four times in the first week of its release and it's available everywhere he also has two podcasts. You should not miss Broccoli and Ice Cream and The Faucet. And you can follow him uh, across social media platforms at Mike Kaplan. That's M-Y-Q Kaplan, who it is not surprisingly. Mike Kaplan is our guest. How you doing, Mike? Hey, happy to not be surprising. Great to be here. Thank you so much for coming on. We've also got a good friend of ours, uh, Michael. He, he uh, co-produces Spitfire with Wen and I, or at least will again when the world reopens. And uh, he also uh, co-produces Cabin Fever Comedy, which I'm currently running as a, a streaming stand-up showcase with him and our good friend, Nash Flynn. Michael, how are you doing? I'm fine. How are you? That's long, <laughs> dramatic pause. Oh, this is this is going to go great if that's your attitude. Fantastic. Yeah. So, Michael, we Thank had you. asked to, to do this podcast with us, and he opted not to because he was having a child instead. Well, um, my wife was. My wife was. Yeah. Let's, let's get the story straight. Michael's participation was early on and then nothing. Um, but you've got a, a new baby now. How's, how's that going? Uh, you know, it's going really great. Uh, he uh, feeds himself, uh, puts himself to sleep, uh, dresses himself. He's, uh, he's potty trained. Um, God, that is a solid three-week-old. Just killing it. Just, just fucking murdering. He's, uh, <laughs> he's incredible. Like, we're here if he needs anything. But uh, outside of that, he's, yeah, he's already contributing uh you know uh, financially um you know he's Good, really yeah, he's really job, doing baby. he's doing everything right yeah he's he's becoming a money maker here and uh just really really independent we are really proud of him i'm so excited for our next episode with you here's where it went wrong michael's baby <laughs> <laughs> you know well, i don't think that's gonna happen he's he's perfect in every way and this is the easiest thing i've ever done that is is fantastic. Well, we're so glad you could, you could come on. And of course, uh, I think we even mentioned in the first episode, you'll be a frequent guest here uh, whenever you you don't need baby time. But um, when well, I think we're about baby ready... time, don't need me. 
Whenever, <laughs> yeah, that one works too. Um, good. So I think we we are about ready to start getting into the movie for today, uh, which starts with something fantastic: the Die Hard series. Something I think we all loved, right? I definitely did. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, I'm not I'm not Jake Peralta, but it is a pretty great series. <laughs> okay, so Mike, you chose uh, you chose the Die Hard series as one of your favorite things to discuss. So how about you give us a little background? Give us your thoughts on. Die Hard, John McClane, Bruce Willis. Sure. Uh, I believe it came out, the first one came out 1988, 89. Uh, I didn't see it immediately, but I, I think I saw it like maybe when I was in college in the 90s and I learned about it. Uh, I don't know how valid or true this is, but somebody said to me that <laughs> it was like the first modern action movie like after it everything was like speed was die hard on a bus under siege was die hard on a boat like everything was die hard 2 was die hard at a different airport whatever it was <laughs> like it was just like it was the 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 standard bearer you know the they planted their flag and it, i mean it was just i've watched it so many times the original so many times and i love die hard 2 die harder i love die hard with a vengeance i love uh live free or die hard i've watched i love Live for your die hard. That's the one that everyone everyone tries to shoot on that one. I really appreciate it's, that. Timothy Oliphant as the bad guy is great. It's so good. And in that one also, I think, has one of the one of the best, if not the best, Yippie Kaye motherfucker moments that I don't want to spoil for <laughs> anyone, but I re- like really spoil, spoil away. Those mo- those movies, like please pause and watch all of those movies. And like I wa- I rewatched them recently with uh my girlfriend Rini, who had not seen all of them and we just last night watched the the fifth and final so far of the series uh so i'm very prepared to get into the next but i've i've watched them so much and they they work on repeat views like it's just they're they're endearing and delightful and they they know exactly who they are, what they are, what kind of movie they are, what they're doing, what they're going for. They're like, like, if you don't enjoy Die Hard, then you must not have wanted to see Die Hard. Like, don't don't watch it <laughs> if you don't want to. Like, like with any art, with any entertainment, like if you there's some comedians, there's some movies, some bands that be like, they are at the top of their game at being themselves. Maria Bamford is the best Maria Bamford that there ever has been or ever could be. The Reggie Absolutely. Watts, the greatest Reggie Watts there ever was. Like you eventually become like a genre unto yourself. So I think that even now I would say maybe the same way I'm going to start this analogy and I don't know if it's going to be the best, but uh, (laughs) the same way that Jesus was Jewish. And at a time, perhaps some might've been like, wow, this is pretty good Jew. Now he's he's (laughs) transcended. Even Jesus Christ, a pretty good Jew. I'm yeah. going to have that on a bumper sticker. But now, now, like most people, that's not even like one of the f- top five things people say about <laughs> Jesus is how, how much of a Jew or how good a Jew. They talk more about him being a carpenter than being a Jew. And I'm sure he was a Jew more often than he was a carpenter. Like when he was a baby, baby Jesus wasn't a carpenter. Baby Jesus was a Jew. And similarly, Die Hard started as an action movie, spawned this whole, like, it was like, wow, it's one of many but now i feel like it's it's the savior of action movies it's the the actioniest of action movies uh so i don't know if i've added anything other than humor there but uh i love it and is that do you want me to say more no, i cannot believe how no, well you no, tied no, no. that together i would did not think you'd be able to find an ending to that that is fantastic point and a perfect analogy that's what mike does man it's- <laughs> that hit that hit everything about die hard that that i enjoy and also Another shout out: the villains in Die Hard are typically the best oh, parts. I, of I've got to go Hard back for, for one second here. Typically. I mean, I, I'd like to just talk about the Jesus analogy forever, but <laughs> this just reminded me. So, uh, Mike Kaplan is my mother's favorite comedian. Uh, in fact, ah. uh, she was the one that introduced me to you ten years ago. Wow! So uh, wow. I told her that we were having you on the show, and she tells me about you know when she found you. The first thing she does is confirm you're Jewish. And then look to see if you're single. <laughs> there is there is no end game here except my sister is single, you're funny, and now Jewish. All we have to do is find a way to make the universe make this happen. Uh, I still have no idea what her plan was, but I was recently told the story when I said we were booking you. That's delightful. Thank Mike you. Mike Kaplan, the uh, the Jewish Jesus of moms loving you. I feel like I'm, I'm reaching on this one, but I just, that analogy, I, could, I want to apply it to everything. He's he's your mother's John. That's the McClane. one. That's much better. Yep. There you go. <laughs> All right. So now, uh, 
if I may briefly also just say you're reaching and I'm also reaching my hand back to you like God to Adam. <laughs> and this is now a different biblical analogy. So uh, we're, we're almost touching. <laughs> almost, there we go. <laughs> All right. So Zara, when I, I, I just remembered this story, I had to, to reintroduce it. Go back to uh, you informing us about what the show is actually about. No, no. I just wanted to go back because in my opinion, Die Hard has some of the best like villains in action oh, yeah. movies, like the charismatic villain. I feel like was born with Alan Rickman as Hans Gruber in the original Perfect. Die Hard. And then you get into like Jeremy Irons, uh, Timothy Oliphant, like the, the, the bad guys in Die Hard are always so much fun. And I feel like it started that kind of archetype of just like the gentleman villain or like the, the villain that you just kind of like really enjoy watching. And that's what I love about the Die Hard movies is like you're, they're endlessly rewatchable because John McClane is like, a regular cop who's in the wrong place at the wrong time, who's going up against these super gentleman terrorists. Right. And it's just, it's a fun formula. It works. And in the second one, in Die Hard 2, Die Harder, uh, I guess I'll say it the same way, full out every time. Uh, the villain we first see naked practicing martial <laughs> arts. Right. Uh, Which I love. Oh, yeah. I As mean, Jeremy Irons tends to do. Uh, no, that's he's in the third one. I'm so sorry. Yeah. But, oh, yeah. But, well, that's but, what I meant. But he does tend to do it, too. I'm sure. Probably. Why not? Uh, Why not? And, I mean, yes, the Alan Rickman in the first one, like, uh, I mean, an unbelievable actor just in general, like, perfect for that part, like, iconic. Uh, the, second, the second movie, like, a, a good villain, like, you know, that guy was a good villain. He was like... Uh, he reminded me of the guy. Was it the guy who was the Terminator T one thousand in Terminator two? He like even reminds me of that guy. You know, just like a a skinny, muscular yeah, just, white dude. Right. <laughs> yeah, just a, a guy yeah. that's very just a threatening presence. But then, but yeah, Jeremy Irons in the third one, Timothy Oliphant. Yeah, absolutely. They they get they get some people who are really, I think, usually much smarter than John McClane, but uh, but not as American as him usually. That, and <laughs> that's it. it. There's a lot of like. <laughs> that's the best thing about John. McClane. How is John yeah. McClane winning this? It doesn't matter. He's gonna. We know he's gonna. So I I feel like yeah, Die Hard. Obviously, the first one was the best. I don't think anyone's really doubting it. But they actually had a pretty good run for a while. So when what what happened? I'll tell you what happened, Andrew. The fifth installment, A Good Day to Die Hard. A Good Day to Die Hard, here is where it went wrong. Uh, a Good Day to Die Hard is, I don't know, an ode to toxic masculinity. I, I yep. feel like that that is just, uh, it is the most divorceable John McClane. Like in the beginning, I'm like, oh, wow, I really hope he and Holly work it out. And this one is like, oh, God, I hope Holly is nowhere near this. OK, so this is from IMDb. The user is Guy from Estonia. Iconoclastic, take no prisoners cop John McClane for the first time finds himself on foreign soil after traveling to Moscow to help his wayward son, Jack unaware that Jack is really a highly trained CIA operative out to stop a nuclear weapons heist. With the Russian underworld in pursuit, a battling countdown to war, and two McLeans discover that their opposing methods make them one unstoppable force. <laughs> Didn't he literally take a prisoner throughout the whole goddamn movie? It, it, yeah. I mean, this is the most dramatic <laughs> reading for, I, I want to believe this, but I've just seen the movie. <laughs> And no, no, I'm sorry. You're right. He is. He is a take prisoners hero. He has literally has a prisoner accompany him for the majority of this film. That's majority yeah, of exactly. most films in some form. Yeah, that's a good point. It's not just a good day to die hard. Like he often has a prisoner. It's like a take a prisoner and like do stuff with him kind of action star. Uh, if I may jump in Please. with with respect to it being on foreign soil. Uh, on a, I took notes while watching the movie last night. Uh, because here's the thing I saw it. I think I saw it on a plane like years ago when like right the best it, way to watch this movie really <laughs> the only way. But even here's the thing is when I watch things on a plane, it's normally like when I watch things on land, like the far, the closer I am to the center of the earth, uh, <laughs> the closer I am to the earth's core, the less likely I'll be to watch a movie as foolish as the core. You understand? Like <laughs> uh, when I'm down oh, here, my time is valuable in a way that when I'm in the air, I'm like, look, I'm flying. I'm already doing one thing. That's a very, like I'm accomplishing a lot. And I'll, <laughs> I'll watch shows that I don't care about as much. And I'm just like, look, this, let's just, it's to pass the time on the flight I'll, i'd love to watch something good but i watched 
that this movie on a on a flight <laughs> years ago, and I was like, I don't think this is good, and I'm like, oh, <laughs> but in a way that I would never I would never judge a movie I watch on a plane. I'm like, but I'm like, I think I'm bad because I did this. You know what I mean? Like I think <laughs> I, my whole system is a mistake now. Even everything that I've ever enjoyed on a plane or not on a plane now because it led to this. Like, but now sincerely, that's several years ago. And in getting ready to rewatch this, to be like, was it really like that? Sometimes you see something and it's bad, you think. And then later you're like, oh, I, I, my expectation that it would be bad is now, like I prepared my girlfriend for it being bad. I was like, I think it's bad, but maybe it's not. I mean, who knows? And we watch and we're like, oh, this is like, how did, how did they... Here, so here's an example of it's bad. I don't like I don't like talking about how things are bad, except for how much I love the Die Hard movies. Like it's like a roast. It's like we're like we're doing a roast yeah. of Die Hard, where we're like, come on, you know that this is the worst, but like, but I love you. I really love you, Die Hard. I love you so much. But you have to admit that this was this should have been called Buy Hard because you just wanted money. You understand? Like they. So with respect to it being in Russia. On foreign soil, uh, there's a he's getting ready to head over there to help his son, which, by the way, if he didn't, his son probably would have been fine. He <laughs> the first thing he does so is true. get in the way of his son's escape vehicle. And then his son doesn't have time to do the thing that he was going to do. And then everything else in the movie happens. So if he hadn't have been there, the movie it, without John McClane, there would have been no Die Hard and it would have been good. Um, this is actually my final note is the exact yeah. same thing that it was very Indiana Jones where it actually would have worked Extremely. out better had they not done the movie at all for yeah it, he was really just standing around much of the time he really didn't help anyone at any point it it was it would have been better for us outside the world of the movie and it would have been better for all the characters <laughs> inside the world of the movie had he not been there he was almost comic relief in yeah. but but also there was he was there was no straight man, funny man. He was like, ah, it's like, ah, the old guy, he'll be funny. But also, isn't he the action star who's supposed to be? Okay. But so here's, here's a perfect example of it going wrong immediately is he, he tells a friend in America that he's going to go over to do this thing in Russia. And then the, here's the quote. They do things a little differently over there, says his friend. And then he looks back and says, so do I. <laughs> So what what does that you you've never have you been there and you know that you also you'll respond differently to them or you do things differently here you do things differently here and that's what helps you be like the maverick there that you are so yeah you but you'll will you be the same different that you are here there or are you going to be a different different wherever you like it literally i think doesn't make i i can't i would love I would love, I feel like a robot wrote this, you know? <laughs> it's almost like they made an action movie. They realized they couldn't get the funding for it. So they're like, we need to call Bruce Willis, throw him in here just to fucking hang out and throw a couple of one-liners in there and call it a diehard and make money. It definitely feels like a different script that they were like, you know, we haven't written a diehard in a while. Could right. this be diehard, please? What's, what's Bruce doing? Hey, Bruce, you want 10 million bucks? Just hang out in Russia for a month. Do That's you guys, it. I am so excited to tell you a thing that I hope you don't know, and it seems like you don't know, and this is, I haven't, comp I, I, I was told this, and I didn't look it up myself, but I was told by somebody who I don't remember now, but let's say they were a, a worthy, reputable source. This movie, the fifth Die Hard movie, is, in my understanding, the only one that was written as a Die Hard movie. No. Really? All of the other ones... Can you elaborate on that, Mike? Yes. I know that Live Free or Die Hard, the fourth one, was originally either like a different book or a different script, and whoever found it, and they were like, I think this one could be a Die Hard movie. The original book, the original movie was based on a book that was not called Die... It wasn't... So maybe the first one was arguably written as a Die Hard movie, but I believe it came from, it was not an original script created to be the movie Die Hard. It was taken from another source material, another piece of art or entertainment. This is the first one. The, the first, second, third, and fourth all had that, share that characteristic. This is the only one where they said, let's write an original Die Hard movie, and that's what they got. Oops. 
it's fascinating because it seems that they're like, let's write an original Die Hard movie where our least favorite character to flesh out is John McClane. Well, it's so <laughs> Die Hard can only happen by accident, I feel is like the main message here, which is like John McClane's origin story to begin with. I'm not supposed to be here. And then it's fantastic and blows up. You know, some movies are like found footage. I feel like Die Hard movies, it sounds like, are like found script. Like they find the script and then it becomes a diehard movie later. Like it's like the opposite. I I was actually writing something this morning in preparation for this. And so this, if it sounds scripted, it is because I'm reading from notes that I took. But it is sincerely, I wrote, I'm glad that I took notes through the movie. It, it's like they spent four movies worth of gaining our trust. Like in a video game, when you like don't use your special move, like in a fighting game and you just keep powering 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 up they gave us four power-ups and then used it all to get do in this one final heist which i think this would be like a fun documentary to be like how did you guys make this movie and all that money like if bruce willis made a movie about how not great this movie was and here's the thing what if the backstory what if this is what really happened is the actors and writers of all the diehard movies were taken hostage and they were told make another Die Hard movie or else. Guns to your head. One gun to all of your heads. Multiple barrels. Doesn't make sense. Just like the movie. Keep moving ahead. You have limited time and no writers, but a weirdly high budget. Like, okay, hostage shakers, why don't you just live on that budget? Oh, they had to make the movie because it came from investors. Doesn't matter. Okay, let's... So they couldn't just run away with the money or they'd be in trouble. They were greedy. They're like, we could take... We could live on this $92 million that it cost to make the movie, or we could invest it and make more than triple our money back. It did make Make three hundred million dollars, mostly overseas, and so that's <laughs> wow. where English wasn't their first language. I'd really like to know sincerely how many Russian people saw it and enjoyed the movie, and if the road that they mentioned that has a lot of traffic really exists and does have a lot of traffic. It's <laughs> Die Hard by a thousand cuts. So yes, <laughs> that is is the perfect analogy for this, and I, I want to give you guys some of the setup for what is happening. I think Mike did a good job of basically it's his kid is in Russia is the movie <laughs> that's it his kid his kid is the first person to ever be arrested in russia for a political assassination attempt. right so let Fair me give you some point. some names here because we're going to discuss them there's a trial for yuri komarov uh who is a former it says russian billionaire uh and there are protests because they think it's a political maneuver by defense minister uh victor shigarin and our first view here of Komarov's komarov is him playing chess against himself uh, to show us what an intelligent, thoughtful man he is. And by the way, I love chess. I have done at that, and it is the easiest way to play chess. There is <laughs> nothing impressive about this. Yeah, I did so, the same thing. My opponent sucked. Yeah, <laughs> so <laughs> Komarov has a secret file. He's going to go on trial here, and he's going to reveal something about Shigarin. Um, so this guy shows up to a club. He's in a uniform he doesn't need to be in. He's going to strip out of the uniform and be wearing club clothes. But he could have just walked into the club. None of this none of this was necessary. Because he walks in the back door to grab a gun, which is hidden. It's just sitting on the counter under a napkin. That's <laughs> like, Russia, baby. I don't, I don't think anyone searched him before he went in either. So right. He did a he lot just of prep. Walked, There was so much. Everything here There's was no just. no Bowser's in Russia. That's what I've heard. No it Bowser's. was just an effort <laughs> and futility for absolutely everything. So he goes up. He goes up to just shoot some random guy. And he says, like, a Komarov sent me kind of thing. But nobody's listening. Nobody needs to, The only no. person listening is the guy who's going to kill. <laughs> he doesn't need to say this. This is how he's going to get into the courtroom where they lock him in this plastic cage <laughs> oh. with Komarov, which is, is as if he's Hannibal Lecter. <laughs> it was, it was I just the same thought. I'm like, why is he locked up like this? This is very Hello Clarice. Right. It, it's all unnecessary. And this is where we find out that this guy, this shooter, is in fact John's son, who is supposed to be a screw up, but is the most on top of it person in the entire movie. The only one. Let's be honest. So, so so that's it. So now we've got the courtroom. Now John has to go to Russia and save him. And we are just continually shown John is inept. Like they're actually showing us. <laughs> he, he, he stops the car that's going to let his son get away. He then gets hit by a car to try and steal a car and the guy is yelling at him in Russian and he says do you think I know what you're saying and it's like you're in Russia you you this is a very reasonable expectation of the man who right. he just dove in front of his car to rob him it's and yeah then he punches that guy and yep. steals his car and but also, that's our hero yeah before 
like also they don't even explain how he found his son's van to jump in front of because it was chaos. They like the I think villains. It's hard to tell who's who. Somebody had just blown up the courthouse or a side of the courthouse to try and get to one of the guys in the courthouse. But then they came in and they're like, he's gone. Yeah, you just blew up the whole thing. <laughs> like they nobody... were in fact saved by the plastic case. That was the only reason it was there. Oh, and then, oh, then um, you might be about to get to this, but after John drives over a bunch of cars with his car, he then talks to his son, finds out that his son is in the CIA and that he's known what he's doing. And here's a quote. He says, this is what you've been doing. Spy shit. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> like what? <laughs> After they just let, if they, he just maybe murdered a lot of people. It certainly was unclear. Whenever you're watching a movie and there's like, you know, cars getting flipped over and banging, like, they're like, we in this scene, we want the cars to be hitting a lot of cars and, and flipping over. And they're like, in real life, nobody's dying in these cars. Right. But like, in this story, our hero is dismissive of his son being better at his job than he is and doesn't care. And he's like, I'm trying to help you. And also I've maybe murdered everybody. It's I, again, I, this know, is in my notes describing too. This, the more that I'm wondering, sorry, Andrew, I was just thinking, no, please. Is this us basically outing John McClane as a boomer? Like he kind of acts like <laughs> a boomer throughout the whole movie. Like he, he really does act his age. He's dismissive of the younger generation. Uh, you know, he, he really has all these doubts about his son. He believes in his old way, which is, furiously inept throughout the whole film. I feel like the whole movie is just kind of outing McLean as a, as a boomer. He will not stop saying in every scene, I'm on vacation right now. And, <laughs> and like, who could afford this... vacations? Boomers. He's, no, no, he's not no. on vacation. He was there to he's save his son. I know, he was, but even if he, to, was. he was there to release his son from political prison. Like you're not on, why are you calling it a vacation? And why is it so important that this is a relaxing trip for right. you? You went to get your son out of Russian jail. Oh, I think so, he's so badass that doing this is relaxing for John McClane, well, maybe? <laughs> Here's the thing, and I, I felt like, and I realized this as he kept saying it, it felt very much like a teenager at Colonial Wil Williamsburg throughout the whole thing, where he's like, okay, we're trying to enjoy this, but he just has to keep complaining about how this is not the vacation he wanted to go on. He wanted to go on Splash Mountain. And... <laughs> John McClane is just he's just complaining the whole time while his his CIA agent spun <laughs> son is trying to claim save the world and McClane just keeps insulting him his son is is yep. stabbed in the side with a piece of rebar and he keeps taunting him about are you gonna cry <laughs> his son is not crying by the way his son is fine and just telling him to pull out the rebar so he can go save the world it was just this constant McClane has to keep one upping but he has not done anything valuable. If I may, uh, this morning after my girlfriend and I uh, watched it last night, I woke up, uh, I think when she woke up, she sent me a text that said, they never set up that he was going on a vacation. He no. was <laughs> always just going to save his son, right? And that's when it really started, I mean, I would, I'm putting this together constantly now that it's like they took fragments of what worked in the other movies. Like, oh, in the first right. one, he was going to visit his wife. In the second one, he was also at the airport for a vacation. <laughs> so people love it when he says, I'm supposed to be on a vacation, whether it's true or not. They're like, we also like when a bad guy falls in slow motion off a roof. We love it when there is a helicopter. We love it. Like just all these things. Like it's like, it'd be like if a musician was like, Oh man, you know, that Miles Davis tune that has a B in it. What if we just played a B over and over again? That's B. Is that a good jazz song? It like they really were writing it. I think by committee, 100%. And I think that committee was a bunch of 14-year-olds on cocaine that just watched every Steven Seagal movie and used that as inspiration behind this film. So here, here is the note I have on this same thing where it was like a comedian doing a callback, but instead of telling a new joke, he just said, hey, remember earlier in the set when I told that joke? It, it, it was just the whole time it was like, remember how we did Die Hard and you all loved that? This is the worst parts of that. They should have called it John McClane's Russian vacation. <laughs> <laughs> like, 
my, my girlfriend's next text to me was, it would have been so easy for them to just start with him reading brochures and pamphlets about vacationing in <laughs> Russia, packing his suitcase for a vacation. You may, you may abduct political prisoners. <laughs> There's many to choose from in Russia. His, his whole thing is about coincidence. He's just in the wrong place at the wrong time. It would not have been unreasonable for him to just be there when his son gets arrested. This is it's like this an action is, movie version of Dante from Clerks. Yeah, that's uh, yes. I was literally thinking that a few minutes ago. He really wasn't supposed to be there that day in Clerks. <laughs> but in this movie, this is the only one of the diehard movies where he was supposed to he chose to be there. From tight muscles, tough workouts, signs of aging to simply making it through each busy day, everyone understands what it feels like to be tense and sore so everyone can benefit from TheraOne's CBD products. Started by Dr. Jason Wersland, TheraBody exists to provide you with the best scientifically validated natural solutions to help soothe your body and relax your mind. It started with the revolutionary Theragun percussive therapy device when Dr. Jason saw the benefits of using CBD in his treatments. He created TheraOne to bring your CBD products done right. A lot of CBD products claim organic but still contain up to 30% filler, and these fillers are potentially toxic. TheraOne tests their products four times before they get to you. Every product is USDA certified organic, grown in the U.S., and their CBD extracts are the highest quality available anywhere. Use TheraOne's warming lotion in your morning routine, the cooling lotion or massage oil to recover, body balm for targeted relief, and sleep tincture to drift into a deep night's sleep. And now, through Labor Day, Monday, September 7th, TheraOne is offering our listeners a buy one, get one free for all TheraOne products. You've got to go to theragun.com slash bluewire. If you don't love what you get from TheraOne, send it back for a full refund within 30 days of purchase. This is not something TheraOne is likely to do again, Buy one, get one free at theragun.com slash bluewire, but only until Labor Day. Go right now to theragun.com slash bluewire. Sunday, Sunday, Sundays are coming back in the NFL. With NFLSundayTicket.tv, you can stream every live out-of-market NFL game every Sunday afternoon on your favorite devices. Plus, Red Zone and DirecTV Fantasy Zone channels, you will never miss your favorite teams and favorite players. No matter where you live, NFLSundayTicket.tv is your key to the most glorious Sundays ever. Use the promo code BLUEWIRE at checkout to get 15% off your subscription. Visit NFLSundayTicket.tv and use promo code BLUEWIRE. God, I am so glad we have Mike here for these insights. <laughs> this yeah. is, is so, so I watched this and I kept thinking, this is so terrible. I don't know why. <laughs> I cannot figure any of it out. Have but, you ever watched anything so loud and so boring at the same time? It's like that's really right. awful. God, yeah. There yes. was no really right loud, volume really for this movie. You had no idea what volume we were supposed to have it on. It's it was like just Michael a random Bay explosion. did the soundtrack, and then the, the the dialogue was done by like somebody who spent like two days in film school. Like, I don't, I don't know. I've never seen <laughs> so, anything just so boisterous, but so just. I found myself daydreaming when I was trying really hard to focus. Several scenes where they were trying to build, I think, character depth. Uh, they uh, they just lost me completely when I was actively listening. Uh, if I if I may just briefly Please. run through just to double check in the first movie, he's only there for his wife's Christmas party, yeah. and then it gets taken over. He wasn't there to, and he's oh, I guess I'm on the case. In the second one, he was just at the airport, and he sees something suspicious happening, and he follows them, and then he's like, oh, I guess I'm going to stick around to help out with this. In the third one, he's actually suspended. He's not even on, he's like a cop in New York. This is the closest one to him being, this one and the fourth one, he's kind of on the job, but somebody, the villain, requests him specifically to be like, you go chasing after these bombs. And he's right. like, well, why, why me? I'm not even, I'm not even a cop right now. <laughs> like, you, you gotta do it. And in the fourth one, it was just, he was the closest person to Shia LaBeouf. I feel like uh, but not Shia LaBeouf. What's Jack the other guy who I think? Justin, Justin Long. Long. Sorry. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> That's kind of what they do with 24 too. Like half the seasons of 24 as a side note, Jack Bauer like wasn't even employed. Like the bad guys just wanted him or he was just there. I feel like it there was, was like a side by side there to be had. But the thing was, was with, with 24, 
you wanted Jack Bauer to show up. With this one, I kept thinking, maybe there's someone else that could do this, you know? <laughs> <laughs> he tries He tries to leave at one point. He's, right. he's, he, at one point, he's just like, okay, cool. So he's good. Let's drop him off at the embassy. I'm going to go home. Fair. And his son's like, no, we're going to finish the mission. And honestly, he could have finished the mission. John McClane could have gone home. Right. He knows that his son is not a political prisoner. He knows that his son is on his job. Uh, but he sticks around because he decides that now's the time he's going to be a good dad. And his son is, I, I don't think we've mentioned this, is Jai Courtney, who is somebody that Hollywood has tried to make like a Hollywood star, like action star, many times in a row. And the only time he's really been great is when he's playing weird, random character parts. I think he was the best part of this movie, though, at the same time. I think he, he did the best performance. So let's go ahead and skip ahead a little bit here. They break the guy out of jail. John has not at all helped. In fact, he's made everything worse. He finds out his son is CIA. They've got to get Komarov out there. Komarov says, not without my daughter in this. It's like, yeah, how do, you knew he had a daughter. You're CIA. You should have known this was going to be part of the deal. Uh, so Komarov needs to find a key to then go find the file. Uh, and he's got to find his daughter for us to help. So his daughter... Uh, appears to betray them, working with the bad guys who are trying to get Komarov alive. And at this point, uh, Jack, who who is John's son, uh, says, I, I don't know what to do next. His his partner gets killed. And uh, this is the part that that Wen said he, he's uh, that John wanted to give up. I read it the other way. He He's being so sarcastic here. He says, I guess we just go home, go home and get your CIA slippers, get some milk. It, it did. It. It did seem like he was being sincere at first, like, oh, the mission didn't work. I guess let's go home. Right. Let's hire someone that can do this. And and Jack is saying here, I'm burned. I've got no context left in Russia. Leaving now is, in fact, a very good idea. <laughs> this is you're being sarcastic. They could have just ended the film right there. Like, that's right. The best thing they could have done. And John goes back to being sarcastic. Just, this is where he's got the rebar in his side and he's saying, you're going to cry. And it was like, John, he's got he's stabbed. When when are you going to be sympathetic to this? We get it, John. You were barefoot throughout the whole fucking movie. That doesn't mean everybody else is weaker than you. Exactly. Uh, can I can I share a thing from right before this point when right before we learn that the daughter uh, has betrayed uh, her father, it seems, and and everyone, the the good guys. Uh, right before that happens, John McClane says to her, hey, how did you get here so fast? Yes. And she's like, what? He's like, how did you get here? And she then names the one street that he was on earlier in the movie that the cab driver told him always has traffic all the time. She names that street and he says, oh, you didn't have traffic. And then... As if he's like this great detective <laughs> with the one piece of information that he had. He's here's the thing it, that it, you know, in those movies where it's like the investigator is like, you killed him, didn't you? And they said, no, I didn't use a three foot knife to kill him. And they're like, I didn't mention anything about a three foot knife, like you, but it was a three foot knife. So you're the one it's like, he is now at, at there in previous movies. He's done some detective work. He has been an intelligent character, but here he's, he's there. They want us to believe that he's such a good detective. He can solve a crime without any clues. Yeah. Like, <laughs> Here's, here's, here's the thing. He said, how did you get here so fast? We don't know where she started from. Right. <laughs> this is a frame of reference as to the origin. This is a big part of my notes here because she is clearly looking suspicious. And this is one of the parts where, where Jack is saying, no, it's fine. And they're trying to show John as being valuable here. He's like, dude, you should be able to read that she's like sweating bullets here. Later on, they have Jack trying to break into a car and John has stolen the keys it's just these little things of like trying to make him valuable but all it really does is point out that jack should not be in the cia <laughs> how does he not know this in uh in that scene with the with the car so here's here's my uh, my memory of that scene where eventually john comes over with the keys at first it seems like his son is trying to hotwire the car or somehow like get into the car without a key so that they can take the car and john comes over and says stealing real nice <laughs> and and then gives the keys that he stole like it's, it's it doesn't, still stealing like, what 
Yeah, you don't you don't steal a car without the keys. Like, if even if they had acknowledged something like that to be like, this is the best way to steal a car when you have the keys, you dummy. Like, it, <laughs> <laughs> also in a scene right before that, I think between the two scenes we're talking about, here's a thing that he said. I'm missing one piece of this quote, but he wrote down. Here's what I wrote down: is John McClane said, "That's what we do. We do our thing." Brilliant. <laughs> Amazing. It's it was these very intense dramatic moments that contained absolutely no depth. I uh so addition to we watched this last night and we also my girlfriend and I have been watching the TV show Brain Dead. Uh which is a fantastic show Love created it. by the people who made The Good Wife and The Good Fight and the main uh act the, main, the star of Brain Dead is actually the woman who plays John McClane's daughter in this movie and the last one, uh, which is a weird coincidence that we're like, oh, look at her. Look at that. A person we've been watching. In Brain Dead, this will all make, uh, there'll be more connections in a moment. In Brain Dead, she plays a documentary filmmaker. And in one scene, she's looking at a film that she's making that isn't finished yet. So there are some shots where it goes to black and on the screen says, need shot here. And I feel like that's what this script was the whole time. Like needs, <laughs> needs dialogue here, needs script here, needs idea here, needs fleshing out here. Like where they said, that's what we do. We do our thing. They're like, we should put a catchy line here. We should put a funny joke here. We should put something here. In fact, at the end of the movie, I'm sorry to jump ahead. The final scene is joyful reuniting of the family of John and, and his children. And there's no dialogue and just music and i think my girlfriend pointed this out they're like they probably had some dialogue and they were like we can't use this just put music <laughs> <laughs> yeah just to jump back uh so the daughter betrays everyone they're captured okay and then we're introduced to like the main like who appears to be like the main face of villainy in this movie who is a Russian guy who's eating a carrot and tap dancing to kick the guns away. That I'm is like, exactly the note I'm on. He's just eating a carrot, a giant carrot for no reason. They're trying to add so many support, like so many extra like character traits to this guy to be like, this series is known for charismatic villains. And look at this guy. He's just eating a carrot. <laughs> he tap dances. This is crazy. Carrot-smatic. Okay, <laughs> Jesus Christ. So... That, that is exactly it. They, of course, escape uh, this bad guy uh, by Jack cutting his hand ties. And for some reason, they've, they've zip-tied John in the front. And John keeps staring at Jack at the knife, cutting the hand ties. There are people standing behind Jack, and somehow none of them notice. So they, of course, escape the guy with the carrot, who we find out later is named Alec. Big fan of Bugs Bunny. Yeah, Alec uh, also calls at some point uh, Victor Shigeru. We find out, oh, he's working for this guy that we obviously knew he was working for, but Shigeru had pretended he didn't know this was going on. It was just, it was just the most heavy-handed way to pretend there wasn't a connection. But now they have to go to Chernobyl to recover this file, and John asks if all the radiation is gone. <laughs> The 20,000-year radiation. Another another proof that he's boomer. He doesn't believe in science. Before we get to Chernobyl, can yes, I say one more thing please. about the carrot? Please, please uh, do. The rest uh, of the show could be on the carrot. I love it. Oh, yeah. Yep. Two, two, two things about the carrot, actually. Number one, uh, and I do like the carrot better than the stick. That's number three. Number <laughs> one, uh, in, in, the movie, in the show Brain Dead, the villain's in this in the show also i'm not spoiling too much but they also eat carrots and i'm not gonna but there's actually an explanation for it also number two have you guys ever heard of or seen the movie shoot 'em up oh yes, yes. shoot 'em up is clive owen and uh oh paul giamatti basically playing live action versions of bugs bunny and Yosemite Sam <laughs> in like a ridiculous action movie so aware of itself that it's called Shoot 'em Up and the the only way that I mean one thing that's sort of a nod to Bugs Bunny is Clive Owen is frequently chomping on a carrot the way that Bugs Bunny is which has a reason for doing it because they're actively trying to make it like I feel like the people who made this Die Hard movie were like I like that movie Shoot 'em Up what are some things that I liked about that how about that carrot? <laughs> Instead of, you know, the fun action sequences and interesting characters, they just went with the carrot. 
Oh, yeah. Here's the thing about the action sequences. They look like they're done well. Like, this movie was made for less than $100 million, and it looks really good. Like, yeah. they made they stretched that money as far as it can go while also creating a movie that looked good. True. They just weren't able to then make that interesting to watch. Right. They just spent no money on the part where they hire a writer. It, it was just, <laughs> let's see how much we can blow up. Yeah, they've definitely saved on on riders and were able to get that cool scene with the helicopter that we'll get to in a little right. bit. Right. I was also, gonna say that that's, that slow mo scene near the end is I think is the best scene of the movie. Yeah, it's which yeah, we're definitely gonna hit that one. And so they, right, they're on their way to Chernobyl after. Oh, by the way, there's a, a scene where they shoot out the glass ceiling to escape, where it's again just this heavy handed. Remember the glass from the first one? So they've got this <laughs> this moment where they pause. And All Jack's, your favorite characters come back. The glass. <laughs> this movie, this and, movie does so many like callbacks to like the other Die Hard movies, but they're not even done well. Like no. the, no the guy's chopping on the carrot just like calls him a cowboy, and John McClane just oh, kind of gives yeah. a look of just like remember the first Die Hard. No, he says I hate Americans, especially American cowboys, and it was just this like oh because that's what the other guy called him, and it it was like. It was like they somehow thought it might be subtle, but it, it absolutely wasn't. By the way, they're about to leave here, and Jack says he doesn't uh, understand how Arena betrayed her father, and John says, someday you will. <laughs> I forgot about that. <laughs> uh, and if I, if I may, to that, before he said that, I was like, how can you not understand you currently hate your father right i know and then john does this, this long pause and he says kids like one day your kids i so i have no idea if it was you're gonna hate me more or if one day your kids will hate you as much as you hate me either way it was an opportunity for bonding and john has just gone the absolute opposite way here it sounded it kind of sounded like they were setting up for his son to betray him later right <laughs> but in fact at the beginning of the movie his son did try to leave without him and succeeded. Yeah, right. that's right. He turned around to get him. And it was like, dude, this whole, the, everything would have been fine if you just left. Everything in this movie is John's fault. And in, not in like an I'll redeem myself way. It just continues to be his fault. Everything just continues to go very poorly for the heroes because the because John McClane is there. Yes. So, I wish so, I could have done this, but did any of you... This is not his jurisdiction as a New York City cop being in Moscow doing all of this. <laughs> Did anybody keep track of how many crimes he broke as a citizen doing all his stupid shit for two hours? So I many. I really wish I had. I would, I mean, I think the guy would get 10 life sentences by the end of this film. No, this, I've got this in my notes at the ending too of, of just the constant we're going to get to that soon. There, there's so much of it, but so let, let's go ahead and skip to, to Chernobyl now. They're, they're there. Um, and uh, they have got to get into this vault where there's supposedly uh, the file. But instead, we find out it's not the file. It's all of this uranium that apparently originally the reason he was on trial was they stole this uranium. He caused Chernobyl. Uh, and they've apparently still got this stockpile of uranium. And then his daughter betrays the guy that supposedly killed him. She's been working with her father the whole time. It's supposed to be this dramatic reveal, but all I could think is... Who, who do the henchmen think they're working for? They were there to pick up a file. At no point was his daughter in charge. She just murdered their boss. And they're just like, cool, this small army of men are just on board with it as they suddenly are now working for the guy they were supposedly kidnapping. My, yeah, my understanding of that was that it had to be that everyone else, like the boss was the only one who didn't know that he wasn't on the other team. Right. That's the way I, I figured it must've been that except Victor Shigerin supposed has called him and says, okay, well you kill arena when you get the stuff. So it's, I mean, I have no idea how, and this is brings us to another point, but by, by the way, so now they're in Chernobyl arena has killed this guy, uh, that was supposedly in charge. And, uh, so Komarov takes this dead guy's phone and calls Shigerin and Shigerin is getting a massage and he's about to reveal that he was in charge of this all along. He's about to, to destroy him. And the masseuse then strangles Shigerin. The timing for this to work out for the guy to be there to kill him on your phone call as you're escaping from custody and arriving in Chernobyl. It was just so elaborate. It was like, dude, you can just hire someone to shoot him later. None of, none of this is accomplishing yeah, you anything. Didn't have to, Andrew, you you didn't have to pay off a, the I masseuse. Think that's just a Russian massage. I think that's just <laughs> <a Russian> massage. <laughs> <laughs> 
in Russia, we do not have happy ending. <laughs> we just have ending. No, the sweet release of death is the happy ending in Russia. <laughs> I think that's the message that they're conveying. So they, they've also introduced here, because they show up in these, these big suits, uh, of course, uh, because they, they're in Chernobyl, they introduced Compound 247, which neutralizes radiation, which is a real thing. Um, but they found it in like grams and it's activated by a laser and instead they just start spraying it over the room and it's like, okay, cool. Not radioactive anymore. We saved Chernobyl. Also there, a, a scene comes when finally John and his son are like reconciling. And I, I, I wrote down, I didn't write who said what, but I think, uh, one of them said to the other, sorry, I ruined your day. And then John says, I actually had a pretty good day. Yes. And there are a lot of people dying everywhere. Yeah. His partner died. He's like, I'm sorry your partner died, but all things considered, I had a great day today. And it's just like, yeah, I get it. You like being with your son, but like, just call him. Like, go to a baseball <laughs> game. Like, a lot of people died. A, a lot. His friend was... died. <laughs> this, this... And also find out what he does for a living. Right. This was also the moment where I, I thought, okay, John is so in need of therapy here. He has not only accomplished nothing, we've discovered he's a sociopath. <laughs> and yep, pretty much. Just to be clear, this might be good for my defense later, but uh, here's one thing that one he just said that I think can be explained: that John's not his son Jack is not going to tell John that he's a CIA operative, which speaks to him more highly. Right. As a CIA operative, that he didn't tell his father he was one. Yeah, that was the only thing that made us think that, that Jack was possibly good at his job. And uh, so, <laughs> who was who brought up the helicopter? Let me, scene? Let me, I want let me to get back to how he's bad at his job. Yeah, because Fair. at one point, uh, uh, Komarov's daughter gets a helicopter that she is now attacking our heroes with. And John McClane finds a Jeep in the back. He hooks a chain up. He yells, yippee ki And he drives it off to, to throw it off balance. But beforehand, his son has Komarov at the top of the building. His Komarov says, you know, uh, now you get to watch your father die. And he says, yeah, but you won't. Or something to that <laughs> regard. And throws him off the building and into the blades of the helicopter. It's yes. like slow and. You are so bad at your job. You like that is your witness. That is, not, you need him alive. Not only your witness, he says he's been burned. He he has no contacts left in Russia. His only value, his only chance to escape is being able to say, "Look, I've got this guy." He's the only reason the CIA would ever come to rescue him and save him from these thousand criminal charges. But instead, I'm just going to murder him because he said something mean about your dad. But in that same scene, right before John McClane says "Yippee Kaye, motherfucker," uh, in my least favorite of those in those yes. oh, yeah. five movies, it's the worst uh, one. In he. And the actually the other my second least favorite one is the other helicopter one in the third one. <laughs> yeah. Uh, but before he I do like this, that he does drive a car. Maybe I actually do like this one better than that one. They're close. They're both not my favorite, but uh, I do like them. I, I like it. I like it better now. He drives a vehicle out of uh, a plane or hell. He, dri he drives a driving vehicle out of a flying vehicle. <laughs> right. Uh, yes. And. Right before he does that, he says, the things we do for our kids. Right. <laughs> it was. I did. I did appreciate that. And none of this is for Jack. Come on. You did this because you wanted to murder some people and get away with it again. You obviously missed this. It you have was, a bloodlust that cannot be satiated. Right. And this, by the way, uh, Jack throwing her father into the blades apparently drives Arena insane. She's run out of bullets on the helicopter so she decides to just crash it into the building to kill. Not it, she has a small army with her. She can send any of them in. Instead, she's going to take them down with her. But they jump out of the building. <laughs> they land in a pool. They're fine. It was just like they couldn't think of a way to wrap it up. So it's like, you know, what? let's just have Arena end it for us. Let's just have her kill herself. Yeah. It, it's always a bad sign with the main villain just kills themselves <laughs> as a way to, like, wrap up the plot. Quick, quick point. Also, that's not the first time 
in the movie that they both jumped out of a building yes. through the window the first time they fell through some scaffolding and then into a convenient like water park tube that went right. down the side of the building and left them out in a dumpster okay while everyone was shooting at them after they outran helicopter guns that were going <laughs> not as fast as they were through the building that the helicopter was shooting into this time they jump out uh and I think, again, my girlfriend, Rini, who I watched with, uh, put it best. It's not a direct quote, but she was like, what, where did that pool? Why is there a pool <laughs> there? Chernobyl. What, Chernobyl. what kind filled. of water is what? Like, that, like, they jumped out as if they knew there was. The, it was like, don't worry, your character's in a movie. You can't be killed. <laughs> I think it's to clean off the radiation. That's why that was yeah. The radioactive pool is definitely gonna wash off. <laughs> yeah, I mean, it's I, like, here's I the thing. Yeah. He he's been wearing like a flannel shirt this whole movie, and like in this last scene, he takes it off to reveal he's wearing a white t-shirt. And I'm like, oh, is God. this a reference? Are they doing a reference right now to be like, it's the John McClane you know and love, white t-shirt time, <laughs> baby. Have Have you guys seen the movie Galaxy Quest? Oh, yes, yeah. I have. Love it. If you haven't seen if you're listening and haven't seen it, please pause now and watch it because I'm going to spoil one point in it, which is just as you y'all remember, there's a scene where there's like a ticking bomb clock that the their ship is or has, and they're trying to stop it from going off. And when it gets to two seconds, it stops because the ship was modeled after the the ship that the aliens in the real world of the movie had seen in the fake Star Trek show that exists in the world of the movie. And they're like, oh, yeah, just whenever it gets down to two seconds, the timer always stops. So that's what we programmed it to do. I feel like that's the way this movie was written. They're like, you know, at the end, the bad guy will die and the good guys will be alive. So even if they have leapt from an enormous height, there must be a way they can survive that. Even if they have a helicopter shooting at them, running into them, they're falling out of it. Anyone else gets touched by it. They die. Like clearly these are the heroes. So they will, they, they can't die. It's like, it's a difference between being descriptive and prescriptive, yes. you know, like looking at a movie the way that it has been. They're like, here's the way that it happened before. And that doesn't mean it's the way that it does have to happen in the future. But that's the way this movie was written. I, I think that's perfect. I think you called it, it earlier with, with the like there were just these blanks and they realized at the end there were. So they had to fill it in with stuff from the old movies. Galaxy Quest, by the way, has two of the stars, uh, Alan Rickman, who, of course, from the first uh, oh, Die yeah. Hard, and Tony Shalhoub, one of the stars of Brain Dead. Yeah. So coming full circle. I'm going to be honest, Brain Dead needs to send us a check. At the end of this. <laughs> it was so good. And they had to end it after one season for obvious reasons if you watch it, but it, it was fantastic. So, I mean, guys, that is, is pretty much the movie, except for this dramatic walking away scene where, of course, Jack finally calls him dad instead of John, uh, like they've done early in the movie to establish that they're distanced. And uh, then Jack says, it's hard to kill a McLean. John says, you're a McLean now. And Jack announces, yeah, I'm John McLean. Like, we didn't know Jack was a nickname for John. <laughs> like, we haven't heard of JFK before this movie. We hadn't been through this. So there's a supposed witty repartee where they're just saying, I'm junior, I'm senior. And I, I feel like maybe someone just got drunk and riffed and it turned out the script was due the next day. <laughs> so they just handed that in. I'm Dad McLean. <laughs> that, that was it. They're, they're walking away. They at no point acknowledge that anyone has secured the uranium. As far as I know, the bad guys drove off with it just without their leaders. Jack is still burned from the CIA. They has nothing of value to offer them now to get out of Russia because he killed the one bad guy and they should all be wanted in Russia. Absolutely nothing has been solved. In fact, it might have been better had they not shown up at all. Kamarov would have just killed Shigerin and taken the uranium like the bad guys did anyway, without all of the countless deaths on the highway when he drove a car off of a bridge to land on other cars. This was, this was definitely a film, and I don't think we can deny that. So, <laughs> uh, I mean, there's an argument both ways. A good day to die hard. Not great. We didn't like it. However. We do have a segment where we try to rally and make this make sense. So 
in their defense, Mike, give us what you got. Well, I've I've already uh, I think blown a couple of my points, which is that I I would love to find out sincerely that the creators of all the other Die Hard movies were being held hostage, and this is a meta, uh, <laughs> like this is the product of them doing their best to let people know, like help. Help us. We wouldn't normally make a movie this bad. There's got to be something wrong. You know it. <laughs> you know it. Uh, and the the movie, here's the thing. One time, uh, I've never seen the movie Battlefield Earth. But my understanding is that it was not good. And one of the quotes that I saw that made me think that uh, in the, I think, 3% positive Rotten Tomatoes aggregate rating that it had when I saw it. One of them said, uh, I think the best quote I saw was, this is the stuff summer blockbusters are made of, which is, well, what is that stuff, you know? <laughs> but uh, what, they're, they're made of all kinds of stuff, and if that's the best thing you can say. Uh, yeah, the, the other quote that I remembered so much was, you know how sometimes, I'm paraphrasing, you know how sometimes a movie will be so bad that watching it you can actually enjoy how bad it is. They said, <laughs> this movie, Battlefield Earth, is not one of those movies. This movie is too, you will not be able to enjoyably hate watch this movie. Whereas this movie, A Good Day to Die Hard, like, I, I really now, especially I love that I'm not watching it anymore. I love, <laughs> I love how much, like, there's a quote from The Prophet by Khalil Gibran, uh, that goes, it's one of my favorite quotes. The greater that sorrow carves into your being, the more joy you can contain. And the, the movies, the first four movies brought so much joy to me. And then this one didn't, like, there's so much sorrow being carved into so many people in so many ways <laughs> that, like, this is, you know, a not enjoyable movie is hardly ranks on the sorrow carving spectrum for me. But the whatever sorrow that was carved by the the sheer inanity the lack of coherent understanding for like even like within the world like nothing there's a lot of action movies where things don't make sense where like a time travel movie where people get to the kitchen from the living room faster than they should and you're like come on there's time travel what are you gonna do suspend your disbelief whatever it is like there's so many movies that don't make sense i love con air i love face off like face off couldn't happen so much stuff wouldn't happen but it's a beautiful dance there's beautiful choreography like a joke doesn't have to have complete real world logic to make sense but it does have to have at least joke logic, joke logic or real life logic, Be both the best, but one or the other going back and forth, who can say? Like face off a wonderful, a wonderfully choreographed, you know, dance of an action movie. This movie, not that, but now this conversation that we get to have because of it, this has been like to find out, like to a communion of all of us here. Like what, what is a piece of art or entertainment meant to do other, in addition to bring us joy in the moment with which this almost did not, uh, but to bring people together, to have an artist's vision tap into something that you also feel or understand or connect to. And in this case, we're not connect who it could have been written by a robot. It could have been <laughs> written by somebody that was like, I don't have time. Like, Oh, it's due tomorrow. Here it is. Like, this is my first draft put in. Yeah. Just cobble together. Like, I think it's even generous to say that they had gaps where they replaced it from things with the old movies. I think they started <laughs> from the old movie things, which is, this is, the best thing that this thing does is remind us that there are four other delightful movies that we can watch without ever having to watch or think about this one again, or think about this one. Like one time I got a hundred dollar car speeding, not speeding ticket, parking ticket. That wasn't my fault that from a rental car company, uh, I rented a car, I got a ticket and I got my, some of my money back, 
but I didn't get all of my money back because I needed to get somebody's like from the rental car company to send a thing to the city and they just wouldn't do it or they said they would and I checked in with them month after month after month and eventually I was like I whatever that 50 bucks that 75 bucks I'm not gonna get it back and I'm gonna aggravate myself by doing it but so now I think fondly of that hundred dollars I'm like that was $100 or $75 or $50 well invested into the never having to think negatively about that $100 again, that $50 again, that I now am grateful for that lost money. And I'm grateful to this piece of cinema, <laughs> art, entertainment, all with a question mark, to this, this thing. You can't deny it's a thing. It is a thing. It made us feel. And it isn't that the purpose of art. It brought up such emotions in me. I can't speak for us all, but it made me angry. It made me confused. It made me surprised. It made me joyful at times in ways, if not only the way that when you bat your head, when you bang your head against a wall, it helps to feel, it feels better when you stop. <laughs> this movie now, I never have to see it again. I can remember fondly this conversation and all of the other movies and its connection to Jake Peralta from Brooklyn Nine-Nine, who love, I would love to know. I hope they someday talk about what he feels about this movie, that hope that I'll live in perhaps eternally now. If that, oh man, I would love to, oh, that's, that's my mission now. And without this movie, I would never have that question. So there's still room for growth and mystery and community union and artistic engagement and uh and beauty this is a real beautiful experience this is that by was... far the best in there remember the first one where i tried to, to justify it by a suit this was fantastic yeah, you, you, you tried to justify <laughs> jurassic park 3 by being like uh sam neil made, made a cool suit once and that was that i especially like how it focused on the best thing about a good day to die hard is the invention of this podcast absolutely <laughs> well guys i mean that that was fantastic Ooh. also uh i just realized one note that i took that i didn't share but you covered the topic in general but i bring it up now because the line all clear we can ditch the suits <laughs> uh and so I guess because you mentioned suit, I just wanted to add that as well. And I was like, oh, is that a line that I liked? It was not. So <laughs> not. this was when they spray the magic radiation reducing potion yes. here that, that made it safer than we walk around. That yes. was absolutely fantastic. I think we can all agree you don't need to watch this, but you should go watch the original Die Hard. You should go watch Galaxy Quest. You should go watch Brain Dead. Yes. And live for your Die Hard. It is my the, the one that I would watch over and over more that like after the first one and the fourth one are my top two. Uh, I've never seen the fourth one. I've seen the others. It's it's a lot of fun. But that was a good day to die hard. That was a lot of fun, guys. It was so much. Thank you guys so much for being on. Uh, Michael and Mike Kaplan. I hope we can have you both back. Michael, I uh, I, I know we've, we're going to do stuff often. Mike, we hope we can have you back at Christmas because you already had another idea that you pitched to us that we loved. Um, Happy to. So, guys, thank you for being here. Thank you all for listening. We'll be back next week. When? What do we have next week? Next week, we have Jay Jordan on to talk about the X-Men franchise. Yeah. I am so excited for that. Uh, it was This was fantastic. That will be as well. I hope all of you will join us for that. And when? I'll see you next week. See you next week. Bye. 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 Sports are coming back, and so are your chances to bet on your favorite teams and events. Major League Baseball is back in action, and there's no better place to start wagering than our exclusive partners, Bet Online. Check out all the odds, futures, and props to bet on, all available 24-7. With the return of sports, Bet Online sat down with former pro players Eddie George, Harold Reynolds, and seven-time NBA champ Robert Horry. See what they had to say on what it will be like playing without fans in a series they're calling Fandemic. Visit betonline.ag for all your odds and up-to-date sports news. Remember to use promo code BLUEWIRE to receive your new welcome bonus. That's promo code BLUEWIRE. BetOnline, your online wagering experts.